Hey y'all, I'm your host Jana, and welcome to Advance Your Billions, a weekly podcast all about business for belly dancers. I'm excited for this week's special episode on valuation of self and making enough money with Lisa Zahia. Lisa, thanks so much for joining me again. Thank you. Um, the last time you were on the podcast, I actually looked this up today, was for the second episode, which is like a little over three years ago. So thanks so much for coming back. <laughs> wow, that's great. And congrats on three years. That's a big deal. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Still running. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic. I've been following your development into the coaching world on social mm-hmm. media. And I love what you're doing. And I love how you're doing that not just not only for belly dancers but it's a, I think it's an important thing in the belly dance world of course yes. and one of the topics that I really wanted your opinion on and I think a lot of other listeners would also love to hear your perspective on is money mm-hmm. now there's a lot of things that we can get into um but what is it for you like what's the most common misconception about money you see with belly dancers specifically I think that there's two things. One is what I would say, it's not just belly dancers, but women in general, is the undervaluation of self, which is essentially like, I am going to not ask what I'm worth for this because I'm not stepping into being valuable and a valuable resource. And that comes from a couple of different places. One is, what are we told as women? Am I willing to step up and ask how much I'm valued. And and if we think about for us as teachers, as performers, it is how much work goes into it. And if I look at what other entertainers are charging for things, bands, things like that, um, it's hundreds of dollars. So can I go out there and ask for that? And I can I feel confident and realize that I am worth it? So that's something I see inherently with a lot of women that I'm working with across, um, whether it's artists, makers and specifically dancers and I think the other thing is not stepping into really valuing it like a profession and in that like I'm not going to ask my accountant to do my taxes for $50 I'm not going to try to bargain at the grocery store they are set things with set prices Mm -hmm. and when we really treat belly dance like a profession um, that we have worked hard for, that we have trained for, and holding on ourselves to those standards, our standards of have I worked hard enough? Am I um, framing myself in all places, website, copy, costume, as a professional? Then I should be asking enough. And so those are the, the two things. One is like, how do I see myself? And then the second one is, how am I, am I respecting belly dance enough in how I show up to charge enough money? And um, here's the thing, um, this is my favorite topic, so I could talk endlessly about it, <laughs> is when we start treating belly dance like a real business, people are going to treat it, respect it, and treat it back. Like, I hear people all the time be like, they're putting on a workshop, and they'll be like, I don't care if I make money, I just want to break even. And I'm like, well, I care if I make money, so I need you to care if you make money so that there's not crappy standards for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I I also work in the yoga world a lot as a dance teacher and they are like on it, an efficient professional contract. You get your tax forms right away. And I'm like, they're respecting it. And I'm able to go in there and say, I'm this many hundreds of dollars per hour and it's no problem. Mm -hmm. So like, can we step up and start across the board treating this like the profession it should be treated as? 
that's a very interesting point. Like, um, I know for yoga and Pilates, like they have certifications and it's like a serious thing mm-hmm. and you invest a lot of money to get certified to be able to do that. And not that I necessarily agree with all the belly dance certifications that are out there, um, mm-hmm. because it is a form of, of expression just because you train in one person's style doesn't really necessarily right. mean that that's the end all and be all, but that's also the beauty of belly dance. But on the other hand, it is like you say, like something that some people, I guess, you know, you, you are undervaluing yourself when you're going out there and um, not taking it seriously. A lot of what I think, um, what I've also seen from, from dancers like set themselves back is just this idea of like, oh, well, I shouldn't charge this because it's an art. And so Ugh. you get into this, <laughs> you get into this like mindset of like a starving artist is like a noble thing to be but then you're just like killing your own soul by working jobs that you hate because you don't truly believe that anyone will buy what you're selling so you're like stuck in this loop of like yeah yeah, trying to feel like you're this true artiste that doesn't (laughs) that doesn't like you know doesn't work for this like you know doesn't make their full income from this because they're you know they have to be this artist but then they hate what they're doing on the side so it's just like this endless cycle um yeah and am i respecting my art form if i'm getting paid 50 dollars and given an egg roll and i have to change in the broom closet no like my my art and my time is worth more than that and your art and your time is worth more than that and like we need to treat it like the business that it is and i mean man that goes into some real beliefs and stories that we're telling ourselves like why should artists be poor because that implies that money is bad. Mm-hmm. So why can't I see money as energetic exchange? I am giving you this service. I'm giving you, like, to me, if I lean into the idea of, well, I'm an artist, that means I should charge more. Mm-hmm. Because to me, art is, like, it's this beautiful, I'm spending energy, I'm giving you my creativity, I'm giving you my genius i'm giving you my study i'm giving you this beautiful culture that we all are studying so can you give me back something of value so we're at equal trade and then both things are being respected and if we see money that way and we don't see it as like something evil because inherently money has no meaning it's what we assign to it Mm -hmm. then and i'm going to be able to show up as an artist if i'm able to eat like why Why should we ever think that it's okay for us to not have enough? I think this is, yeah, this is a good point. I think, um, yeah, money is not evil. It's what you assign to it. I think people are scared of of becoming, I guess, too greedy or wanting money um, more than they want. Maybe other more important things in life. And, of course, money is not everything, but you need to be, yeah, like you said, be able to eat and keep a roof above your head. and. where, what would you suggest then for this, like changing this mindset about money? Because of course, it, you want to teach people not to think about it. It's not a bad thing. It is just a thing that you have, you earn, it comes and goes, it's a flow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available to you to do good for the world and to, good, to do good for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, knowing when you feel like it's enough, like not using lack of money as an excuse to go yes. forth and do things that you need to do. So um, I would start with a couple of practical things. And the first one is respecting your money. So one of the first things that I do as a business owner every day 
is look at my bank account and I look at it respectfully and this sounds a little woo-woo, but I look at it with love and I'm like, I want to tend this garden so it's bigger so I can do more, serve more, create more. And I also am respecting my business and my money by charging enough, by doing contracts, by paying taxes, by telling the government how much money I made. Um, and not, I think when we take something energetically above board, it can grow more. Um, I also, another tip is pay and be paid. So I'll hear dancers sometimes be like, well, maybe he won't find out. He or she, who is a musician, a fellow artist, won't find out if I use their song. Maybe I can get a photographer to come for free. Whereas I would be interested in people being like, I'm going to charge enough so I can pay for the music I'm using so that I can um, pay a photographer and then get paid. And even in trade situations, I really like you write me a check, I write you a check Mm -hmm. so that there's the energetic exchange. So the first thing is respect your money, look at your money. If you're teaching classes, I'm really interested in how much did it cost you? And how much did you make? So you know your margins, which is like net profit and gross profit. And if you need somebody to teach you about business, I'm here to help. And um, then the third thing I would say, which is a, a bigger question, is dig into your money story. Like, what did your parents say about money? What do your peers say about money? And make sure that you are clarifying beliefs around it so that If you were like, I hate money and I think it's evil and people with money are evil, you're not going to make a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, you can change who has power, you can give more, you can create more. So I have to change my mindset around that before I can do it. Yeah. And what about going the other way where people use it as an excuse? Like, oh, well, I can't do that because I don't have enough. Like, obviously, sometimes, like, if you, want, for example, want to run a festival, like, that does need some sort of funding, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, that is one thing that, you know, practical. But I, I feel like most of the time, even when I hear that excuse, or if, if even before, when I had that excuse for myself, it's like, well, do I really not have the money? Or do I do I have my priorities, like, all over the place? Or yeah, I mean, I have had people come to, because I own a damn studio, come to the studio and be like, hey, can I get a discount? I don't make that much. And I'll be like, I saw you at the bar last night. I mean, or I mean, don't be posting it on Instagram if you don't want me to know about it. And to that end, like, make it a priority. Like, the first time I ever bought a professional costume because I wanted to do gigs, I chose not to go out. I chose not to buy regular clothes. So... I I think it's about reprioritizing your money. There, Yes, and you bring up a valid point. If you really don't have enough, you need to prioritize survival and learning how to budget and making sure you're making enough. Like, don't, don't spend when you don't have. Mm-hmm. However, if you have enough, um, work on a budget. And, man, there is a lot of power in investing in yourself. And I would even... I like to not say how much does this cost. I think to, I like to say how much was that work. Um, so for me, I like like if I take a private lesson and it's a hundred dollars, 
I can say, man, that cost a hundred dollars, or I'll be like, man, that was worth a hundred dollars because of all the things I learned and all the things that I can grow from from there. And just a fun little um, tactic is when I spend money on something, I always say thank you, and I always say, there's more where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if I buy a five hundred dollar festival ticket, I'll say. Thank you. There's more where that came came from. I can't wait to invest in myself again. And I'll say it to people, and they're like, "She's crazy." And I'll be like, "Yeah, but I have more money." Crazy, <laughs> um, but you'll see me in your workshop. Peace out. <laughs> I know. So it's part of like it's sort of all of us collectively creating an ecosystem around belly dance that makes it valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and when things are, I mean, I've done this before. I have undervalued myself and done a gig because I was young and I took the $50 in the egg roll and they asked me, I mean, who wants to get an egg roll while they're belly dancing? But <laughs> they, um, they treated me like I was worth $50. Now for a wedding, I charge 500 and they treat me like I'm worth $500. And then that makes me see that I'm treated like that and value myself like that. So like action begets action. Mm-hmm. So start valuing things, start watching your language around it. Um, I mean, even saying something, if you want to change how much money you have, say something like, instead of saying, um, I can't afford that, be like, I'm going to save, I can't wait to buy it. And then you take the action and you'll see that really start to bloom around that. It's um, interesting you say that because it is, it's a very powerful thing once you put that out into the universe and even say it out loud or write it down or say it to someone to keep you accountable, how much more likely you're often to see opportunities instead of challenges. Yeah. So, and it's not just for money, it's for anything. If you say, you know what, this year I'm going to get healthier, like you just, it's just saying it out loud is, is like a huge, um, it's like a huge actionable thing that you can do for yourself to even get it started. Yeah. And that really goes into the depth of what I do as a coach is that idea that when we can re, I mean, it goes into uh, neuro programming and when I can see something differently, I can create a different outcome because I'm creating through language um, and um, intention and action, a different reality for myself based on what I'm saying to myself. Um, and one thing I say that's really easy is always turn a problem into a question. So if I want to go, like if I was interested in going to a festival that I really wanted to learn from, and it was in Germany, I was going to come see you, and the whole thing was $1,500. If I say I can't afford that, it shuts the door. If I say I'm going to figure out how to invest in that for myself, and then I start writing down possibilities, maybe I need to, if I get four gigs, I can pay for it. So I'm going to go out there and do that. If I sell a costume, I could do that. And it puts you into brainstorming and away from action. I mean, into action and away from like just shutting yourself down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. And um, what, uh, Speaking of like business economics and basics, um, what are the basic things about money that if you wish every belly dancer would know about? 
Um, a couple of things. The first is the idea of net and gross profit, which is how much money you're actually making. So if you go and you do a gig and you charge $100, but you have to buy, um, you have to drive there and they paid you with a credit card. You didn't make $100. $100 is called the gross profit, which it's easy to remember it's gross because it's gross. You didn't keep it all. Like, ooh, gross. <laughs> um, it's $100 less the credit card fees, which is 3%, which is 97 And if it charged me $15 in gas to get there, I made $82, which is my net profit. So I'm going to start looking at how much am I actually making. And then... That's part of my income, which means I'm going to pay taxes on it. So when I start getting realistic about how much money I'm putting in my pocket, and before we start putting classes on sale, um, negotiating for gigs, um, and thinking that I have all this money to invest in my dance and my business cards and stuff, I want to figure out how much am I actually making, and making sure I'm not discounting it, and I'm actually paying to offer a service. So um, um, I think that that is really important is to think about things through that lens. Um, the other thing is just being real clear that when you're getting, I mean, this is at its most basic, start a spreadsheet of money in, money out. So um, for example, for a long time, I did gigs and I got paid in cash and I didn't know how much I was making. And until you understand where you are, so like, Count the cash, count the tip, put a note in your phone. Because you could just be bleeding money and not know about it. Uh, also, if you're ever going to go full-time with this, you need to be doing that because eventually that money that's extra for shoes and things like that is going to become your bill money. And you have to have a sense of if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that... I mean, my other big thing for dancers is learning how to sell and how to market because we tend to exist in our own ecosystem of, and if you put a a flyer up, this this is a big topic, but I'm like, oh, I teach rock sharky. Like Susie on the street corner doesn't know what that is. So how can I sell myself? How can I invest in marketing? Um, so that I'm able to make enough. So essentially everything that I'm saying is treat it like a real business. You respect it and treat it like a real business. Guess what you'll end up with? An actual profitable business. If you treat it like a hobby, if you disrespect it, you're going to end up with a hobby. Um, so those are some basics. The other thing is like, Oh, man. I mean, the things I want belly dancers to understand about money are, are very long. <laughs> but <laughs> I, um, my other thing is, like, understanding the market. So I think it's interesting because there's so much talk about undercutting, but understanding what that actually means, first of all, is, like, where do you want to position yourself? Do you want to position yourself on the high end of the market, charge more, or the low end that's still above the minimum that's set by the community. And then what, what does that expect of me? Like right now I'm at the high end of the market here because I'm only trying to do wedding. And from a sales perspective, if a bride calls another dancer and then they call me and I'm like, I've been doing this for 15 years. 
I can do your Zappa, I can do this, I can do that, these are the songs I have. Um, but I charge 500, 700, 900. That, that, that is appealing to some people because they want the expensive product. And that if I am earlier in my career and I want to do the birthday party, which are all valid gigs, you're allowed to charge less than me and it's going to position you differently. Because, but you still want to stay above the average set by the community so that we're respecting the product we're offering. And so, yeah, that makes sense. And how long did it take you to get to a level where you were like, okay, this is how I'm going to be trying to do only weddings and this is how much I'm charging it? Um, well, and in that is this idea that when you, because I work with people in businesses, is that when you own a business, you plan for what you want. And then you invest in research and development and you do projections. So I did gigs for years, every gig, every birthday party, every this. But then I made a conscious decision. I want to shift into doing this less and charging more. And I had the chops. I had the experience. And then I took the money I'd made and I invested in an education. I invested in, if somebody's going to make $700, I better show up looking expensive. Um, and then I, I sort of, I invested and then I projected and then I went out and did the market research. How do I find the wedding? Who, I mean, I went out in cities around here and found the wedding planners who work with Egyptians um, because it's a specific kind of wedding. I, I um, changed how I was marketing it on my landing page about performing, which is getting into my application of business skills to my dance business. But um, you make a choice about where you want to go. If you don't know your ultimate outcome, if you don't know where you're going to land, there's, there's no way to make a plan to get there. So if I was like, well, when I did it full time, I would dance every night. Now I'm like, I'm happy to dance every other month um, and do a wedding. And, but I made that choice. So I would say my first step was getting conscious about it. Number two is making a plan. Number three is investing in myself so I knew that I could do it. And what about, what would you recommend to people that do workshops or host people for workshops? Because mm. one of the mm. biggest things I've heard from people, um, from event sponsors, is just like, oh, it's hard to sell these slots. But obviously, there's still festivals going on. So it's like this thing of like, there's a festival popping up everywhere. It has, right. It's in demand. <laughs> but yet, there's people that um, that are still having trouble. So it's like this weird thing of it's like you're seeing it everywhere, but at the same time people are struggling to get people in the door. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is success leaves clues. So go out there and look at the places that are making it and note what they all have in common, which is um, you either have to be ready to market more or you need to choose a teacher who's really in demand. You have, oh, I'm going to go back to the beginning. I don't want you to, you need to do a budget. You need to figure out how much does this teacher I want to bring cost or teachers how much is the space? How much is the food? You're going to put 10% overage in there. Um, you need how much of the plane tickets? And you need to, I never put on anything until I had that much money in a bank account. Because if, if um, the stuff hits the fan. You can curse on here. <laughs> I, I, did you hear me pause? I was like, the, when the shit hits the fan, you need to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I'm going to put, and then you have to essentially, I call it pressure testing a business. Is this economically feasible? So if I want to bring the 10 biggest teachers in belly dance to Asheville and offer intimate 10 person workshop, uh, I need to figure out one, how much is that going to cost me? And then how much do I have to charge? I have people be like, I didn't make any money. And I'll be like, yeah, because you didn't charge enough. Like, is there an ability to make a profit from it? Um, and then here's the big thing. You need to learn how to market and sell. Um, it used to be to be in the recall set. And that, from a marketing perspective, means that somebody and will remember your event or your name off the top of their head instead of having to be reminded of it. Used to be three times they'd need to see something. Now it is 16 because of the amount of information we are fed on social media. So you need to find your target audience and really do the work to market and sell to them. Also, like, learn how to do Facebook ads. And these are all things that I teach, but, like, you need to put in the work. And I think a lot of times people are like, I didn't make any money because they're not doing any marketing work, honestly. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing it well. And if I look at success leads clues, what I see rising to the top is things that are well marketed with good product, which like, that's the magic formula. If I'm trying to sell myself as a performer, for me as a studio owner, myself and other people as teachers, myself as a dance teacher or a workshop, I need to have the right product and then I need to sell it well. And that's how you make money. So. Those are my basics on putting on an event, and you can apply that same thing to you as a teacher. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they hear the word marketing, they're like, ooh. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, um, it's like, oh, this is too business for me, and this is a little bit too cold. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's, I, I think people attribute a lot of feelings to a word. Same, same like you mentioned with money, just that mm -hmm. one word. Um, they attribute a lot of negativity to that, maybe because they're not familiar with it or because the only things that they've seen is just this overly aggressive, um, pushy type of marketing. And um, yes. and marketing can mean, and I try to tell people this too, like marketing can mean whatever you, it, it, it's, it can mean however you want to reach out to people. It's not necessarily, it's not just, hey, buy this, buy this, buy this, and I'm only going to contact you when I have something that I want yeah. from you. It's It's giving value. And if we go all the way back to the beginning where I'm like, people are undervaluing themselves. If I think I'm offering somebody a service that is valuable, why shouldn't they want to buy it from me? Wouldn't it be weird if we didn't market ourselves at all? Like if I was like, I teach dance. People are like, where is it? And how much does it cost? And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like it is normal to have economic exchange around services. Yeah. Um, so I think for that, I think it'd be interesting for people to, one, I love when people market to me. If you're bringing, like, um, if you're bringing in a workshop teacher that I want to know, I want you to sell it to me because you have to believe in the value of what you're doing. Um, and to that end, sales is not about, um, and I think what people are avoidant of is what I would call hard sales. It's not about doing if you have an event and then you email a link to the event without any note to every friend you have on Facebook who's wearing a belly dance costume, no, stop. That's terrible marketing. That is pushing yourself in someone's face. 
but if I can identify my key customers and talk about the value that I'll add to their lives through my product, that is great marketing. Um, yeah, I don't want to get any more Facebook messages from random people just trying to add me <laughs> to sell it's me their work. <laughs> if anything, it makes me remember to not ever buy anything from them, which is a little bit petty, I know, because they're just trying to get it out there, like get their stuff out there too. But it's almost like if I'm putting in the time and effort, to market like to to learn how to market myself in a way that's not that then I would expect the same <laughs> so, right yeah. and it's like I think overall it comes down to that idea of like respect and love like like I just said this to someone I was like do you re- you have to put belly down first so if my student got a call for a gig and they were like we want somebody to do the audience is Egyptian. We want somebody to do a full show. We want this. We want to talk to them about the music that they want. They should respect belly dance enough to give the gig to me. Somebody calls me and they were like, I want a tall blonde girl. I should respect it enough to give it to someone else. And you're not respecting me as part of your community if you're sending me random Facebook messages. But you can you can do a Facebook ad so it shows up on my feed. Yeah. You can send a respectful message that is just to me and say if you're interested or could you share with your students. So it's like more personalized, not just a spam. Yeah. Thing sent out. Yeah, for sure. Um. I, yeah. I one. I. I might have. I'm pretty sure I've told this story before on the podcast, but I've gotten messages from from dancers abroad that. It literally one of them just said, I am ready now for you to post me. <laughs> and oh. I was like, ooh, <laughs> okay. Am I ready? I don't know you. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and there's so many ways to ask that question. And I fully, I am, I'm a business teacher. I fully am for people selling themselves. So you could reach out and be like, hey, I'm coming through your area, like, if you're interested, I will look at it 100% of the time, and if I say no, or can we do it at another date, I want you to respect me. Are you, are you ready for me? Yeah, it was just, are you ready for me, and then it's just YouTube links, and I'm like, okay. And this is not to shame, like, the cold calling version of, like, cold emailing, like, I've done this before, like, I've come teach at your studio in Asheville, like, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm here, (laughs) like... But and, you asked me respectfully, and we yeah. knew each other. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it. I don't think there's any problem with asking. I got a lot of um, teaching at festivals by applying or asking, but there's a way to do it where you show respect. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a way to do it that's personalized. Like, I also, I've also gotten a message that said, like, I've heard great things about you hosting workshops. I'm like, I don't host work. Like, I teach. I've, I don't host other people. And I've got, I've got the one that says like "Dear Jen," and I'm like, "Who's Jen?" <laughs> <laughs> I hope you responded with like, "I think this was meant for someone else." <laughs> Tell Jen I said hi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. oh my god, that's funny. Um, so I know that you've come such a long way, and and um, I know I'm not the most active person on social media just because I find it so overwhelming, and I don't have enough time to. Mm-hmm. like like and comment and everything like but i i lurk <laughs> i'm there <laughs> I, I will probably have seen something um if i have the time to to look at it on facebook or instagram but i have loved seeing your development um both as a person and as a teacher and a coach 
And um, I know last time we spoke, you had mentioned that you were opening up, um, I believe, a second studio. And I've been to your studio, it's a beautiful studio. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you want to talk a little bit about your own personal story regarding um, how you've come to this point with money and entrepreneurship in general and belly dance? I know you mentioned how now, now you're taking the gigs that you set out to take, which is great. Um, do you want to go into that a little bit more? Sure. So I, this is like the quick and dirty history of me and belly dance is that I, um, I am half by blood more than, um, how I was raised culturally. I'm half Arabic and I was always really interested in belly dance. I grew up as a dancer doing jazz, hip hop. I had a very mixed relationship with dance due to body image and, um, had gotten MBA. I have a, I have a background educationally and um, career-wise in business. So got an MBA, graduated from college, had been dancing, basketball court dancer, and I was teaching a dance class at a studio called Joy of Motion in D.C., and there was a belly dance class after it, and I would stay and watch. And the teacher invited me in because I was being a creeper, and um, (laughs) I fell in love, and it felt right to me it felt like home to me and I loved learning about the culture and it was a way to explore my own culture and that was really beautiful and I it was amazing and I was at the time I was a corporate marketing director and I was going to go to law school and I you know I, I do think because of a background in dance I had sort of an accelerated entry but I still had lots to learn and I a couple years in, started to gig in the D.C. Baltimore area, and I was going through a big life change. I was getting divorced, and uh, I was going to go to law school, and I had my whole life, it had been like dance is a hobby. You're meant to be an academic um, because of test scores and stuff, and I called my mom and was like, I don't think I want to do this. I want to open a belly dance studio in Asheville, just at the time was like a weird hippie town. <laughs> she was like, go for it. and I moved here, found a space. I mean, I also think it's about belief in yourself and like a willingness to make an educated jump off a cliff. So I saved money. I found the space, my original space, and I lived in the back and I hustled and I hung up a shingle and I um, started a business. And then that was 12 years ago. And now the studio is two studios. There's 14 teachers. I um, have had the pleasure of touring um, more probably about six years ago as a belly dance teacher. But I I have found that belly dance is like the love of my life. And it is the thing that has supported me through divorce, change, moving, career. But my skill and my passion is helping women um, create the lives that they want. So I have my career now as a mixture of business owner, dance teacher, and, and part of that is like me reclaiming dance for myself. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teaching, I'm like, I teach less, I teach eight classes a week, um, but it's not my full-time job, mm-hmm. and coaching women and how to grow businesses and the lives they want. So at some point during that, I went to coaching school, and I think the thing about money is that I am a stubborn lady, and when I told someone, you know, I was meant to have the like $300,000 a year law business um, job and like 
two and a half kids and a BMW. And uh, I just was like, that's not my dream. But somebody said, oh, dance, you're going to be poor. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm worth. People can do this. And so I, I really set out to do it. And I believe that everyone deserves that. And that's why I'm so passionate. So if it's like, I want to be a professional hooper, I want to teach people how to sew, or I want to be a belly dancer, learning to charge enough, learning to value money allowed me to support myself with it. I think that that, like, if I can impart that and I can even, like, I have one-on-one coaching clients that are dancers, and I'm so passionate because I care about this dance form. And I think sometimes I get really, clearly I have a lot of opinions, like, uh, I get really passionate about that because I want to see it survive. And I want people to not not think it's a joke. Uh, And that's really important to me. And, well, we're all glad that you have taken the leap and that you're a belly dancer that is teaching other women how to empower themselves their own businesses and how to make their dreams come true thank you so much lisa is there anything that you would like to promote and um do you want to tell people where they can find you yes i'm happy to share three things that i'm doing that might be um useful to people one is i am doing a whole year of mentoring which is a program um that i do in conjunction with aziza i bet everybody's heard of her and um (laughs) It is, uh, you get a monthly class with both of us, uh, and then you get recorded videos from both of us, and it's essentially um, dance training from her meets life coaching from me, and it's about forwarding your dance goals. That um, started in March, you can still sign up, and the website is Year of You BD, so Year of You Belly Dance, but the initials BD.com. Um, and then coming up in the next two weeks, I'm going to announce, I'm going to teach a two week masterclass and I'm going to teach you how I built my dance business. So I have managed to average 30 people in my beginner class for 10 years. And it's, there's nothing special about me and there's nothing special about Asheville. It's because of marketing. So I want to lay out how I did that. Um, so I'll put that and that'll be on my Instagram or my Facebook, and it's all Lisa Zakia, which is Z-A-H-I-Y-A, um, for both of those. So, good thing is, I'm the only Lisa Zakia out there, <laughs> so if you Google that, it, it's all me. Yeah. And the third thing you wanted to promote? Oh, um, I also do one-on-one coaching, so for some of the people who are business owners, or if you have a studio, you can reach out to me. I have a couple of, um, Belly dance uh, studio owners, and we've really been able to transform their businesses. So I'm happy to talk to people about that. And I do free coaching calls that are half an hour. So I'm happy to do that with anyone. Okay, cool. Yeah. So guys, go check her out and go check her out also as well on her website and her social media. Um, you can lurk and stalk like I do, <laughs> <laughs> but take action. <laughs> Yeah. So thank you um, so much for joining us again. Thank you. And thanks for, I mean, I would extend the same thing to you from the community. It's like, thanks for thinking about business and let's take it seriously. And uh, cheers. And I'm happy to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much.
Thanks for those that are listening again for this week. Visit advancedforbellydance.com for more uh, belly dance tips straight to your inbox. And don't forget to check out Lisa's link and her website. So thank you guys and until next week. Bye.